Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey there, friends. Surprise! You probably weren't expecting to hear from us today, but I am excited to pop into your podcast feed with a special bonus episode in our mission season. Back in episode eight, you heard Dave and me on a panel discussion with Pastor Chris Brett of Leunda Kirge, the Living Church of Denmark. In that discussion, we heard about how God placed a burden on Pastor Chris for the nation of Denmark by connecting him with a lovely young Danish lady named Clara, who would become his wife. Well, Clara was not able to join us on that panel, but thankfully I was able to connect with her later so that we could share her side of the story with you as well. Clara's testimony of a hunger for God that couldn't be satisfied in the traditional religion of her youth is inspiring, and her example of trusting God to unfold His perfect will in His perfect timing is an encouragement to me. I believe it will be to you as well. I'm so happy to get to introduce you to my friend. Here's my conversation with Clara Brett. Clara Brett, welcome to Good Question. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. We have talked to so many different people as uh, far as missionaries go for this season of the podcast, and your situation is very different than a lot of the people that we've talked to, and it's such a unique and inspiring story that I really wanted to share it with our podcast listeners, and it's just fun to get to see you and to chat with you too. We're excited about coming and being there with you guys soon, so it's just fun to be able to chat for a while. So I'll let you introduce yourself and tell all of our listeners who you are. Well, thanks again so much for having me, Jessica. And it's definitely lovely to get to chat with you too. Um, so my name is Clara Brett, which sounds very English, but um, <laughs> that's my married name. <laughs> As you know, my husband's Australian. And uh, I was so excited after we married to finally be able to change out my Danish maiden name because when we lived in Australia at the time, um, I was constantly being introduced as Clara Greve, Clara Gravy, Clara Grave. <laughs> so at least it sounds very English this. But I am 42 years old. I have, I was going to say I've lived for the Lord since I was about 19. I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1999 and baptized in Jesus' name that same year. And then shortly after that, I met my husband, Christopher Brett. I am, by education, I'm a lawyer, specializing now in energy law. I have, for many years, worked very limited, but it's been um, it's been a little bit of an open door from God for me to keep keep working because our situation is that not only are we founding the work in Denmark, we are also funding the work in Denmark to a large <laughs> extent. 
which is interesting because um, in in Denmark, one thing that people can be a little bit hesitant about with um, with churches that are not the normal Lutheran state churches, finances and how is all that. So it's a very early on talk you can have in Denmark, but for us it's very easy when people will ask, you know, if if we are being taking money from the church and the money that's given to the church, you know, we can always very clearly say, no, we are actually not taking money from the church. Actually, we are supporting uh, the church financially ourselves. So, um, so yes, so my husband and I are both working. I'm working part-time and, and he has to work full-time. We have um, four lovely, lively children from the age of three to 11. And yeah, besides that, I um, have always been involved with music and, and all different things. So I'm, I'm involved in a lot of different areas in the church, obviously, as you are in the smaller work. Yes, for sure. Lots of hats. Lots Definitely. of hats to wear as a pastor's wife, <laughs> doing Definitely. all the things. And, and, and you try, I try very much not to intentionally put any more on myself than mm-hmm. need be, but um it just always ends up being a few more than you'd sometimes think you can can manage. <laughs> I can hear that. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned that you received the Holy Ghost and were baptized when you were 19. I'd love to hear you tell that story of how you found the X238 experience. Yeah. Well, I um, was born in a typical Danish family, which means in Denmark, Less than 1%, I think it is now, the population attends any church of any denomination on a regular basis. So not every Sunday, but that's defined as two or three times a month. And my family was similar, so we would go to church at Christmas Eve, and if there was a funeral or a wedding. Mm. But somehow in the midst of that, when I was a kid, my mom would teach me to to pray the Lord's Prayer at night and, and to just kind of have a basic child's faith. I did have a grandmother who was devoted Lutheran, but um, not not that she'd ever really take us to church or anything like that. And all different things happened in life. And and, and somehow there was a hunger in my heart and, and a cry of my heart with, with some of the things going on for for just an understanding and and just wanting to know, you know, if there was a reason. And it seemed too crazy that this was, I was going to say, this life here is just it. And then there's mm. nothing more to it. it. There was too many questions. And then when I was a young teenager, I had a piano teacher who was a personal Christian. He was Lutheran. And uh, I started babysitting his children sometimes. And he invited me along to a children's camp where I helped just, you know, babysit and, and be part. And that was the first time I really met anyone in Denmark that believed in God and would talk about believing in God and, and realizing that you could have a sort of personal walk with God. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I was about 16 at that time, I'd say I really became a Christian. And I um, I had, um, I was baptized as infant, you know, and, and, and had attended confirmation training and all of this stuff. And But after that, I, I made connection with a Lutheran youth group um, and would have Bible studies with them and all different youth activities. And I was actually getting really hungry for, for more of God and, and had different friends that were in all different other denominations. So, yeah, um, I would visit Assemblies of God for their events. And we have in Denmark a charismatic apostolic church. It's not one as it's not born again, there's nothing like that, but it's called, calls itself apostolic, but it's really, now they've actually um, affiliated with the Baptist church. So I would attend some of their meetings and other things. And, and there was, there was nothing that ever really 
satisfied my my questions or my hunger. Um, so so my roots still remained in the Lutheran Church because there was nothing really more in a sense I felt um but I would ask questions you know lots of questions and and they would try and answer as sincerely and honestly and you know as they could like if God can heal why don't we see it happen if God would touch people's lives like you see in the book of Acts why don't we see it you know if if gifts of the spirit were in operation then why don't we see it and and the answer would always be like well God can do it and you know sincerely he can but he just chooses not to. And that just, you know, it never seemed right to me. Why would God choose not to heal? Why would he choose not to speak? And I, I remember then another, you know, like other things, I, I remember asking one time, you know, the scripture that talks about why is blaspheming the son forgivable, but blaspheming the Holy Spirit is, is the unforgivable kind of sin, as, as they say it. And the answer I got was, well, the son, he's he's strong. He's you know, as a person in, in the Trinity, he, they would say he's he's strong. He can he could handle rejection as an uh, you know on earth he would handle rejection, so he can handle it. But the Holy Spirit is really the weak part of the Trinity. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's only only job is to is to shine a light onto the life of Jesus. So so he's he can't defend himself. So that's why you can't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So um, you know, just saying that these were answered with sincerity, but it never made sense, right? And so I, I just kept on having this hunger for experiencing God and and getting some answers to some of the questions from reading scripture that just didn't it didn't really make sense and it didn't really it never felt right. And um, my family found it really hard to even accept that I was going to the Lutheran church, the Mm. state church, that they were members of themselves as well on a regular basis. And so when I was um, just before I turned 18 and I was still in high school, my my mom asked me to to move out from home. So that last year of high school, I I lived on my own and, uh, you know, would would work and, and go to high school and take care of it. But I could freely attend church and freely pray, freely read the Bible and all the things that had been controversial before. <laughs> and and in that time of, of doing this, I, I just still got to feel so desperately hungry for God. And so getting into the first year of uni after that, I, I had one night when I would I was sitting at home. Really, I I was repenting, you know. But but my what I was praying was, you know, God, I feel like that you're so far away. I feel like then every time I pray, you know, my prayers hit the ceiling. They come back to me. Nothing's happening. If you're there, God, if you're there, if you'll hear my prayers, you can do whatever you want with my life. It doesn't matter whatever you'll do. Just don't stay so far away. And yeah, crying and very emotional, which is not such a typical Danish thing. <laughs> But just a few days after that, you know, this was back in the 90s. So you had chat rooms on the Internet and a man came in the chat room and, and he uh, he's asking me like, you know, he's asking everyone there. So has anyone ever received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? Now, you got to remember from most other churches, there's so little clarity on reading scripture with any of this. So so I um, I said to him, you know, honestly, as I'd been told, because I joined these other meetings from these other churches. And he's like, and I'm like, you know, no, I've never spoken in tongues, but I've been told by someone that they thought I had the gift of prophecy. 
Now, this man was very straightened because if you've never spoken in tongues, you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you ain't got the gift of prophecy. (laughs) (laughs) So instead of getting offended, which some might have, I asked him, you know, what should I do? to be filled with the Holy Spirit or to speak with tongues. And, and you know, because I thought he would say something that I could just refute from Scripture and, you know, then it would just be, yeah, yeah, no, that's not, you know, how it works. But what he asked me was, why don't you meet with a Pentecostal pastor and have him pray for you? And, you know, I believe God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And there was just something about that. I couldn't say no, you know, because I knew myself. I knew that just because somebody prayed for me, I wouldn't do anything weird. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't... Mm-hmm make up something i wouldn't pretend anything but if if god would use that sure i was open to pray with someone (laughs) but i didn't know that you know pentecost could have been the same as assemblies of god or anything else i actually said to him but there's no pentecostal church in denmark and he's like don't worry i'll i'll find a pastor for you and he put me in contact and there was no upc uh, missionaries in denmark at the time there was no church at all um but he put me in contact with the missionaries in norway and they came down and we sat in the choir loft of a church in the town i'm from um and that you know that church is like from before reformation so 1300 you know from, from the 1300s so and we're sitting up there he brought his family with them. Actually, maybe I should say the first time I met with him, we just walked around the town and said hello. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was like, I don't need another friend. You know? <laughs> I wanted more of God, not, not, you know, not needing a friend, but he was, uh, he was not wanting to overwhelm me. So the next time I was taking no chances when they called me and said, they're, you know, close by where I lived, I said, can we please pray? So he's like, sure, find a place. And so we found that place. Um, and he brought his family with them from Norway and, and he had, they had visitors from the U.S. and like, we're never going to be able to find a place to pray when they're all there, little knowing Pentecostals, that the more the merrier <laughs> for a prayer meeting. So we sat down at, around a table and he read from the scripture in Acts, you know, how they were all gathered in the place and when they prayed, the place shook and then the presence of God filled it. And, and I was just like, yeah, okay. You know, I'd never read really seeing scriptures like like these. And and he's like, let's just pray that way. And so he, it was the calmest Pentecostal prayer meeting you would have ever been in. <laughs> but for me, it was the wildest, loudest thing I'd ever been in. Now, you know, looking back, I'm amazed that they were all so quiet and sensitive. Because I, I remember, I think his wife, the only thing she would kind of say at times was, hallelujah, hallelujah, you know. And he was leading the prayer. And, and then, there was, you know, some of the other members, they were they were so subtle. But I have never felt the presence of God like that ever, anywhere. You know, and, and as I said, I had, I had been in all these other meetings, cross-denominational, you know, ecumenical meetings, in the, in the assemblies of God here, everything, and never felt anything like that. It was It was like, you know, electricity in your body. And after a little while, you know, I, I was speaking in tongues and yeah, and I was convinced. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's so awesome. I love, I love that you are so hungry that even just a, a question thrown out into a random chat room <laughs> could catch, you know what I'm saying? Caught you at the right moment. And of course it's the the orchestration of the spirit and God using people. But did you ever find that person who who you who you met in that chat room? Did you ever get connected with him again? 
Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I did. He uh, was a minister in Wisconsin. And this is just the amazing smallness of the world and God working. But um, we, we, over the years, we kind of lost touch because a lot happens. And, and anyway, then um, Chris and I, after I got married, we came back to Denmark. There was one lady very early on as we were establishing the church that we get contact with um and she um she was filled with the the holy spirit when uh, when when she was in a conference with us and then she moved and we lost touch and just recently um last year as a matter of fact so this is like 15 years later um i had a phone call and some lady calling me and saying she was living in denmark now and she couldn't find a church where people could pray and she had been told to contact our church mm. by David, she said. And and I actually reached out to your husband because I was like, did you, is that David, you know, where did that come from? I didn't know um, who this lady was at the time. But then as we spoke, her voice sounded familiar. And yes, it turned out that the same person that had witnessed to me over the internet that time had somehow connected with her over the internet and then made the connection with with the church there, not knowing that she had ever visited our church that many years earlier and, and lost contact and didn't have any contact details for us, anything like that. Wow. That's so that's so cool. God just lines everything all up. You know, it's he's just amazing. That's so cool. Well, whenever we did the um the panel discussion with your husband, he shared about how he came from Australia and you guys got to meet. And then he, um, he says that you owe him a trip to, uh, to Alaska because he canceled his trip and stayed there (laughs) to get to know you better. (laughs) And so you guys, you went back to Australia and got married in Australia, correct? Correct. So, um, after I was I was baptized in Jesus' name. The pastor thought he needed to connect me with some young people, seeing as though there was no young people in Denmark. And I was a first-year law student at, at the time. And uh, my husband was, he was a um, fifth-year law student in Australia, about to graduate. Um, and so he was a youth leader in, in the church there, and they thought that would be just a great connect. Um, and so they told him, oh, she's new. He had asked for con- contacts with youth in in the countries where he was pastoring so that he could connect and make friends when when he would travel around the world and the only email the pastor gave him was mine (laughs) (laughs) so that's how we got connected but yeah and then we met up here and all of this and um and then and we went to uh to australia feeling always that um well we were engaged at the time when I moved out there and feeling always that we would come back to Denmark. Um, there were just a couple of believers, friends that some I, I had witnessed to that had been born again and um, and some that had been witnessed to in the U.S. when they were exchange students. So we just really felt that um, and uh, and not knowing exactly how God would work all, all that out. So Chris told us a little bit of his side of the story of looking for a job and then the moment where he felt God telling him he needed to just come to Denmark. And I know your your perspective on that story is a little bit different than his. So I'd love for you to share that part, too, because I think the dynamic between um, a husband and a wife, whenever God is calling you to do something, it can be an interesting and an, inter- an interesting dynamic trying to maneuver who does God speak to first and are and how do you move on the same page 
without one rushing ahead of the other. And I think you guys have a really good story of how you guys did that well. So would you mind to share that? <laughs> well, um, so I, I obviously really, I felt this burden and this obligation towards Denmark, um, knowing that there was no no church here and, and no pastor in the country and, 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 you know, people that I had witnessed to that was there without, without a pastor. And I really just, I had learned very early on when I was just born again that God is able to open any doors. Um, and, and maybe that's more the background for, for what's coming. But I had seen God uh, within short amount of time working out job situation, visa, visa work situation, studies, different doors being open that like I needed a place to live in Copenhagen, which is very hard when you're on a student budget. And going up to attend the UPC church in, in Norway service, I was just praying and I come in on the bus and a girl sits on the bus next to me reading like a, a re originally Christian based newspaper. And we strike up a conversation and within two minutes, she says to me, you don't happen to know someone who needs a place to live in Copenhagen, do you? Um, and that's where I got the place I lived as a student because it was, it was student price and perfect location and everything. So, so I had seen God deal with this. And when, Chris and I were getting serious. I was hesitant because he said he didn't particularly feel a call to pastoring. And I somehow felt that I would be involved with the with the ministry for the church in Denmark. Not more specified than that, but I was hesitant if my husband would not feel that. And I felt very strongly impressed from God that that it was okay that he would, he, he would work on Chris. What Chris did say to me is, I'm not feeling a specific call to that, but whatever God wants from me, I will do. Um, and God kind of just strongly assured me that it was okay. So, so that was my background for um, when we were in Australia and looking to go to Denmark, because there, it was an impossibility for us to come back here with visa situation and, and jobs and everything like that. And then one day, um, you know, we, we didn't know how, but I, I just knew that somehow this would work out and somehow God would open the door. If he had opened all the doors I'd seen him open in the past, he would open that too. And then one day we're um, going home from church and there had been a, a good service and an altar call and Chris had really been at the altar praying. And he, he has this very serious uh, tone of voice with me as, as we're going home. And he's, he's, you know, he's looking at me because he's going, you know, God, God really spoke to me today and he said, just go, just go. You don't need to have a job in place before you go, just go and, and I'll take care of it. And, um, and I looked at him and I must have looked less than shocked <laughs> um, because, because I, I just answered back going, yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking he's going to tell me, you know, like, I don't know, something more or something like that I I knew you know I didn't need a big moment at the altar for that because I knew God would do that <laughs> you know but at the same time you know it just it's so so he's like no no you don't understand you know God is telling me just go it will be okay <laughs> and, and you know maybe because I just left my whole you know everything and moved to Australia and I was okay you know I, I know we'll be okay God is God is really there and so yes so Chris is always laughing that this was this big moment for him whereas that I was already in the place of knowing that this would be okay but 
But I guess, you know, what was so important for us very early on was that I I didn't try to push Chris beyond where he was at in, in his, I was going to say, comfort zone, you know, because for, for so many things, right? He he was making a very big jump to leave his his country, his family, his everything. Also, he's the leader of us. He was going to take up the responsibility of, of being um, a leader and a minister in the country. And so so he needed to really have heard from God and it needed to just be the right time. Mm. Um, and I guess, you know, so, so so there wasn't a big push for me in trying to, to go ahead of where we were. I think also because I just had this big peace from, you know, God that it would be okay. Don't know how, don't know when, but it'll be okay. Mm. I think that's good because I think either husbands or wives, if one person feels that so strongly and the other person is not there with them yet, it can be so tempting to push and it can it can feel like the right thing to do to push them. But at, at one of my um, the ladies here in Oklahoma, who's been a good friend to our family, and um, she spoke at our ladies conference this year and she talked about she was talking specifically to women, obviously, but about if your husband is not doing the things that you think he needs to be doing or he's not following what you feel like God's asking you guys to do, um, don't badger him about it. Talk to God about it. Just she said she said she just early in her marriage, she would just go tattle on her husband to God. <laughs> and she said, I just tell God all about it and let God t- take care of it. And um I think that's really wise. I think it's good to to hear like I might know that we need to do something, but like you said, you have that peace from God that He's gonna work it out. It's all gonna it's all gonna work out when it's supposed yeah. to work out. I, I tested my husband, you know, big time before we got married <laughs> because I had paid a heavy price to be in the church. As I said, my family barely understood me wanting to attend the Lutheran church. Then imagine, let alone this other church with the spiritual experience and you must have lost your mind and and uh, all these other things that came along with it. So I knew that when I was about to marry someone, this was really serious. And it was, you know, I, I was finally able to just pray freely and read the Bible freely in my in my home. I I didn't want to to be yoked to someone who, who wouldn't understand, who wouldn't support, who wouldn't cheer my walk with God on. So we had some some very deep and clear and personal talks before before even really getting serious um in a relationship. Yeah. Which also meant that I had a lot of confidence in in his walk with God, um, and I think I think that's that's what it comes down to often is is trusting uh-huh. that God will speak to your spouse, you know, trusting that God will work it out there, and and that God will not place a calling on you that your godly spouse will will stand in the way of. Yeah, yeah. It's I think so many things I see where people trip themselves up, whether it's in marriage or with their kids or or even pastors with their people in their churches isn't that need to get your hands in the situation and feel like you know what needs to happen. And if I can say the right thing and set up the right situation and put up the right boundaries or put up the right, you know, opportunities that I can make everything happen the way it's supposed to happen, rather than trusting the work of the spirit in the other person <laughs> and knowing that as the spirit is speaking to me, he's also going to speak to them and, and trusting that that's going to work. You know, um, it can be a challenge. Looking at 
our situation there, you know, if if I would have tried to push, first of all, it would have been so many big talks, discussions, maybe even on how would we do it? Because as Chris told you, there was not even the visa in place, you know, that I, I'm sure he, he told you that whole thing last time. So I think so he did, we, but I'm not, I don't remember. Okay, so so, so the thing was that there was no visa that allowed us to travel to Denmark, even if we were married. But after that alter experience with him, within a week or two, we got a call because I was a law student at a, at a law firm that I dealt with immigration law. And I was talking to the lawyer, then she said, Denmark has just signed a uh, an agreement only with Australia for uh, working holiday visas. And I think that will allow you to come up or even for Chris to come up. Now, that was because the Crown Prince of Denmark was dating an Australian. Um, but it allowed us to come to Denmark. And, it, you know, the, the time is so coincidental <laughs> that it's... Uh, <laughs> it was the only country in the world Denmark signed it with just within yeah one or two weeks. So what was a beautiful situation for us that's funny to look back at could have been a big mess, you know, but it, it never was. Yeah, so. that's so good. So you guys have been there now for how long? Since 2004. <laughs> 2004. Wow. Wow. And flies. It does. So when you got there, did you immediately start having like meetings in your home? How did you how did this church start to grow into what you what you guys have now? Um the first month before Chris got up, I actually went up because I was going back as a student at university and and so we had started immediately having services in a community center and that one of the very first Sundays if not the first Sunday a young lady um that had been born again um as an exchange student in the U.S. she came in really distraught and I think it might it might just have been the two of us there were only three of us really attending church in Denmark at the time and the third one was in Tupelo working (laughs) um so she was so distraught and um, she's telling me that she's had this big breakup with her fiance because she was meant to move to the U.S. to get married um, to a man in the church. But she said when we came up here, God spoke to her that she was to be involved in Denmark, that she was to be um supporting the, the, the establishment of the church here. And she had never, in, in, in that sense, so clearly ever felt anything from God. And he would not listen. He would not even consider it. He would not pray about it. He would not anything. Because she's like, we, we, we need to talk. I mean, they, they had already, they were so far, they'd already bought an apartment. They would be living in after getting married and everything. Um, so it was very far along. And so, yes, so we started having services, her and I, and, and she, that relationship did break up. And I think that's an example of how you also, you know, you can experience, this is of course very different when you're not married, but it was also God saving her for a whole lot because there was a lot of things going on there later that would have been devastating. Uh-huh. And she is, uh, we, we then ended up um, shortly after Chris came up, establishing the the UPC in Denmark, having the inaugural meeting in her home. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. And she is still in the church today and in the leadership. Still there doing what God asked her to do. That's such a fun, not a fun yeah. story for her. That's a very sad story, to, a way to start, but to, to know her heart yeah. and that she believed what God wanted her to do so much that she would 
that she would walk away from what she thought was her future in order to do what God wanted her to do. It's powerful. So tell me about some of the stuff you guys have seen. There's been a lot of things have happened with the church over that period of time since that first meeting. So tell us about some of the some of the things you've been able to do and people you've been able to impact. Yeah, so, um, you know, you can imagine when you start a church and there's basically no one and you're in a country where um, people are just naturally not really interested in anything to do with your God and very skeptical. It just really takes... It takes a lot of digging, a lot of groundwork, and a lot of prayer and fasting and just consistency. So, you know, it's it, it's person by person. You you witness, a door is open. You you open, you share, um, and then uh, and then things kind of happen from there. So we, I'm, I'm just even <laughs> thinking that. I mean, we just, we've seen everything from you know people filled with the Holy Spirit in my little student apartment at the time um, to to baptizing people in the frozen ocean <laughs> in the middle of winter because they were going to get baptized and they had a strong desire to be it in the ocean and Chris <laughs> stepping out and eyes on the water and, you know, like walking out so they'll have to be in the water as little as possible and then quickly down. And, um, so, yeah, we've, we've seen uh, these things and then also um, God made it possible for us a, a while after the church was starting to get well established and and uh and we you know had had the Copenhagen church kind of established it turned out that there were a number of people in Denmark that had a UPC background from uh Myanmar from Burma and when they had come to Denmark there was no UPC um so they had all gotten integrated into different denominations but realizing that we were there uh some of the families said no we need to we need to stand up for what we really know is true and and you know they left their the other churches witnessed and and would share um and and actually ended up through that we've got um a daughter church established now across the country as well i love that i love um one of the things i don't remember if it was in the panel or just in conversations with chris that we've had where he talked about how you guys came to denmark and in his mind they were, you were there to to reach danes but that the Lord has really allowed you guys to have an influence in so many other areas of the world just through your little your little collective of people there in a in a relatively small place of the world. <laughs> um, but you guys have reached impact have impact that has rippled out from there into all other kinds of countries and other people. It's really kind of amazing. Yeah, um, I mean, we really have been blessed to see people from many different nations, and then I think that's one thing you. See maybe in society in Europe that when people are out of their own home country sometimes they are a little bit more open they, yeah. they're understanding that they're they're not just so set in their ways and, and in their in their routines and, and so there can sometimes be an openness so we have seen people from everywhere from Brazil from Africa from from many different countries um, and um, from the US <laughs> come as well and yes we have you know we've the, the heartache when you have an international church is, is that people come and they go mm. but we have definitely seen the joy of seeing people um, leave us and become part of UPC in the countries that they leave to and even even some licensed ministers so so in that sense yes we've seen uh, we've seen God do really wonderful things and 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 it's um, pretty amazing to to see just a couple of years ago, one of the men in our church from Africa lost his visa to Denmark, and we were really 
sad to see him leave also because his heart was to to stay there but um going back he was sharing god wherever he could and he's seen everything from people on drugs giving up their drugs um to going into going into really kind of tough areas with with the blessing of the the municipality and and just sharing god and, and seeing lives changed so so yes that wouldn't have happened if he had remained with us right it's so it's just so cool to me the way we say this a lot but I don't think we ever really think about it on this level of like we really don't know the impact that our life is having on someone and we won't know the impact and the ripple effects of that impact until we get to heaven because I think about this man in a chat room the impact of one just sharing with one person and then how that can impact you can impact <laughs> the people that then you witness to and then the church that you establish and people who come in and out of that church and the people that they reach. You know, it's not about building a, a name for ourselves. It's about making sure the name of Jesus gets spread as far and as wide as it can. And so it's, it's a really um, humbling thing to think about how one little thing that I do today or one person that I speak to today could have such an impact down the road. You're absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, in, in many ways, um, Europe can be a disheartening place to work because you work very hard and you, you see you see meager results as to what you'd see somewhere else. But very early on, God impressed me very clearly, you know, to be looking at the right part. And, mm-hmm. and he says, if you just look at, because when you look, you know, and you see so and so many got the Holy Ghost or this and that, um, he's like, you're looking at the wrong end. Um did you fill them with the Holy Spirit? Was that your doing? You know, um, if they were not filled with the Holy Spirit, but you had witnessed, you had shared, you were sincerely praying with them, that was between me and them. Mm. So either you're getting discouraged of something that was not your doing, mm. or you're taking pride in something that was not your doing. So what I've been called to be is a witness. Mm. And and that's my obligation is is any door that's open to to share him. Yeah. But then to trust and leave, you know, the, the measuring of that more so with God than, than, than just me seeing it. And, and to understand that it is a process. I might be plowing a lot. I might be just preparing the field. And then, you know, after us, there will be people coming and, and the harvest is, is going to be in a different place because we were here. Yeah. That's an encouragement, I think, to people that are feeling that they're not seeing the results that they want to see. It's not, yeah. it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen all the time, but it, it doesn't mean God's not working. Mm. No, exactly. It, it really doesn't mean it. And of course, you know, we need to be able to, to look at ourselves and look at God saying, am I, am I doing the right thing? And if I'm not, you know, if I'm not seeing anything, then obviously something's wrong because you, God, you do want to do something. Mm. So it's, it's just having, having that balance and understanding, yes, if I am where I am, um, then I, what I need to do is, is just trust that little as much of God is in it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Chris's pastor's wife in Australia would always quote, I'm only one, yet I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And I will not let uh, what I cannot do interfere with what I can do. Yeah. You know, um, so that's it. You know, yes, I can't do everything, but I can do something. Mm-hmm. And that something is God's not requiring me to do beyond that something. Yeah. So once again, trusting him that that something is playing a part in the bigger picture that I just don't maybe see right now. Yeah, that's so good. So good. 
Well, are there any other stories that you want to share? Any other challenges or victories or any of the things that you haven't been able to share yet? Um, yes. I I mean, I'm so... (laughs) (laughs) We, um, in terms of challenges, we're having one at the moment because we are absolutely looking at different buildings and um, we need a new venue. And uh, we've been praying about that for a long, long, long long time. And you would think that a Christian country would have have places you can have church, as as our daughter church was saying, because they're also looking for a venue. But it really is a challenge with zoning regulations and everything else. But actually, just now, we uh, we finally received confirmation from one place we've been looking at this week that have sent us a contract. So uh, so we're really excited about, about that for Copenhagen. So it's, it's um, you know, it's one of those things where when you live life, it can feel like things are so, so small. Yeah. Um, but when we started, I mean, when we really started, there was so few, just, just a couple of us in the whole country. And when we look now, you know, there's a church in Copenhagen, there's a, there's a daughter church across the other country. There's, there's believers in, in, um, most of the major cities. Um, there's people we have Bible studies with and, and, you know, so we really, when we start to look at the map, it's like, you know, North, South, East, West, there, there are people that consider us their church. So, so just, you know, when I look back, I'm kind of in awe of seeing, yes, these doors are open. And don't be discouraged when things don't always work out the way, you know, you feel God intended mm-hmm. <laughs> because he, he is still working. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, a lady contacted us because she, she had learned oneness of God and she was from um, an, an island here in, in Denmark. Um, and she came to the church in Copenhagen. She had found out oneness through a Brenham church in uh, in Germany. Um, so she believed in baptism, Jesus' name, holiness. And uh, and I would say uh, where she would differ on us was, was on some issues with uh, with end times or things like that. Not Not absolute core doctrine. Talking with her, the amazing thing was that where she lived was a little village on on this island, um, and not just a little village, but a little village where my um, my my godly grandmother came from, um, and my her my grandma's family had a farm, like a large farm in that town, um, so large that it was it's known by our family name, and it's still in my family's uh, heritage today, um, and she lived. Two, two houses away, like looking at that place. So it's one of those things where you're like, God, you know, like that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but she chose to to stay with with right where she, she was at. Um, she was very happy to know we're there. She absolutely believed that what we teach is the truth. But, you know, um, so it's it's uh, it's just trusting God that people make choices and and we will you know not give up, not be shaken, yeah. not not let anyone else's choices determine what am I going to do, but keep doing what's right. Even though we're living in a generation with people around us that are becoming less and less godly, um, less and less understanding of the things of God, praying that in the midst of that God has His harvest, and that um, sometimes. That can be liberating because people are being set free from traditions. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> that can be a stronghold. So, so just walking with God in, in in confidence and trust, and then He He has a bigger picture than we do. Yeah, that's so good. Such an encouragement. Well, we've got we've come to the end 
of our of the questions that I had for you. So our final question of our show, we always ask the same question. We always like to ask every guest, what is a good question that you are asking yourself lately? I'm asking myself, when are you guys coming over here? <laughs> Hopefully soon. <laughs> you know, I think one of our one of our biggest prayer points is, is you know, God, we need laborers. <laughs> God, we need hands. Um, because, you know, it, it, as I said, it's a long-term investment here. And, and um, I remember we had one man, he was attending our church, you know, a Danish man, six years before he made the commitment to be baptized. So we need people to come that can share and, and just be there and be in the church. And, and we're just so excited about that. Well, we're excited too. I know Dave will be um, reaching out to you soon about helping us fill out the visa application because uh, it is in Danish. <laughs> and so we're going to need some assistance with that. Um, but we're we're gearing up and getting all of our stuff lined up to be able to do that. So we're super excited about being there with you guys. We can't wait. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Definitely. We, we look so much forward to it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your story, your testimony. I know it's going to bless somebody and um, it's blessed me. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Wasn't that lovely? I am so blessed by Clara's testimony and the reminder that there is a longing in the heart of each of us that nothing can satisfy like Jesus, not family, not education, not even religion. He is the one our souls long for. What a powerful reminder of the links he'll go to to reach us when we seek after him. I think you can probably see why I couldn't let this season wrap up without sharing Clara's testimony with you. Her story convicts me to never take for granted the opportunity I have to freely worship and seek after the face of God. And chatting with her makes me all the more eager to get to Denmark and join the work she and her husband, Chris, and the saints of the Living Church are doing for the kingdom. If this season has blessed you, if you have connected with the hearts of any of these missionaries we've interviewed, I hope you'll set up some reminder for yourself to pray for them regularly. And if you're able to support any of them financially, we have placed links in all our show notes for every episode for you to find their accounts and contribute to the work of God. If you would like to give toward our AIM journey, we would be so thrilled to have your support. It's incredibly expensive to get to Denmark, and we are working diligently to raise the funds. We have no doubt God is going to provide. In fact, He already is providing. But if He's nudging you to partner with us, I can say with 100% confidence, He will bless you in return for your obedience. Our Global Missions link is in the show notes, as well as our link for Buy Me a Coffee. Thank you to everyone who is already supporting us. We appreciate it so, so much. As always, we love it when you share the podcast with your friends and family. Now is a great time for someone to come over and get a feel for what we're all about. And if you joined us during this season, but you haven't had a chance to listen to season one, you have a few weeks now while we prep for season three to get all caught up. As you listen, if you hear something that you want to talk to us about, come on over to our social media accounts and tell us about it. We are on Instagram at Good Question Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Good Question with Jessica Tanderup Podcast. Our email address is goodquestionshow at gmail.com. To follow along with Team Tanderup on our short-term missions adventure to Denmark, we're at Tanderups for Denmark on Instagram. That's Tanderups with an S, the number four, Denmark. 
This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup. My co-producer, editor, and the man who is already hard at work, lining up guests and setting up interviews for season three is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode. Mark your calendars and meet me back here on Tuesday, April the 19th for another season of Good Question. See y'all then. <laughs>